This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. We're excited that you're streaming online. I know that... um, you know, a lot of you are sitting at home on your couches and you have your apps open. I would just encourage you, go find your Bible. If it's on a shelf, if it's by your book stand, dust it off, bring it out. And, uh, and we're going to go in the Word today. So I'm very excited to, to speak to you today and, and bring the Word for you. You know, they, they put in the comments that you could comment on the message and that. And I already got one comment from my kids. They said, Dad, bring home ice cream. So I got it. They're watching right now. We'll try to bring home some ice cream. But uh, hey, listen, we, we are in a series right now called 2020 Vision. Uh, I get one of these shirts. This is actually one of the, the company I work for uh, shirt, but I thought it fit very well that we're talking about vision for 2020. I'm excited about this message series. I know that uh, God has a great, great plan in store for us for this year, for 2020. And like Amanda was saying, it's not going to be stopped by a virus. It's not going to be stopped by pandemonium. God is bigger than everything. God reminded me of it this morning as I was driving into church. I drove about an hour drive and I drove through a little rainstorm and right on the other side of the storm was this big beautiful rainbow. And God's like, "Remember my promise." So I just want to talk to you today if you're watching this and and you just remember God's promise over your life. Remember the word of God over your life. And my prayer is that today through the message and, and through the word today that God's going to touch you. He's going to ignite a fire on the inside of you about your vision for 2020 and what God has in store for you this year. Listen, so last time I was up here was uh, a couple months ago, and there's been a big change in my life since, since then. I've now entered my 40s, um, which is crazy. It's a new decade. Some people are clapping. They didn't think I would make it. Neither did I at some point. But, uh, you know, into my 40s, I'm two weeks now into my 40s, and I had my first midlife crisis. Uh, you know, my wife, when she turned 40, she asked, what do you want to do? We threw a big party for her, had 30 people over. It was a big luau. It was a great time. She said, what do you want to do for your, your 40th birthday? And as a man, I just, I just wanted to know that I, I still had it, right? That I, I could still be a guy and still do, like, manly things because not for nothing, like, I sell phones for a living, not very manly, so I wanted to do something manly. So me and a few of my friends got together, and, and we went on a hunting trip. So 40 years old, we go on this hunting trip, and uh, we show up to this place out in the middle of Florida, and it's, they have 500 acres, and you could, there's alligators out there, there's all this stuff, and, and we show up in a minivan. I mean, I felt like it was in a remake of the movie City Slickers. I, I said, this is, this is bad. I'm 40 years old. I'm having my first midlife crisis. But we went out there, and I was with a, a former Special Forces medic. I was with a former Army sniper. And then there's me, Mr. Cell Phone Sales Guy, out there. But uh, we did good. I was able to um, have a lot of fun with my friends then and just remember that, that I am still a man. So hopefully that helps someone out there, and you got it. Listen, I wanted to share this over to you today. The title of today's message, we're in a series called 2020 Vision. The title of today's message is, What's Your Story? When you think about what's going on in the world right now, what's going on in the media, the spread of this coronavirus, right? There's, there's a lot of stories being told. Some stories are changing right now, mid-March, right? People's stories are starting to change. 
But remember what I said when I saw that rainbow. Remember God's promise over your life. What is your story? You know, coronavirus has taken over our thoughts. It's very easy in, in the media right now to forget that we serve a good God that's got a plan for your life and has got a purpose for your life. It's very easy to set that on the back burner and focus solely on what's going on, but that's not what God has called us to do as believers, as the body of Christ. That's not our calling to do that. I want to remind you, we are right now, today, we are 16 days away from being 25% done with 2020. We're almost a quarter through the year right now. What has been your story these first three months? What is God writing about your life in 2020? If you were writing a book about this year, what would this chapter be titled? Right? What would be the outcome? Who would be the hero or the heroine in this book, in this chapter, in this series? So I want you to think about that today and choose to have a, a, a purposeful 2020 and not to get caught up. And I'm, sa- I'm not saying don't pay attention to what's going on. Please wash your hands. Right? Like, do what you're supposed to do. But also, don't forget that as believers, we have a big story. You know, I almost changed the title of this message I uh, had an encounter with God last week, and it was through an un, un, you know, familiar source that it happened. Uh, we rented a movie, my, my kids and my wife and I. And uh, if you have kids, you know if you rent a movie, you watch it about 30 times before the movie rental is over. And that movie was Frozen 2. I don't know if you've seen it, if anyone out there has seen Frozen 2. We got some people raising their hand. I almost called the title of this message, Biblical Principles from Disney's Frozen 2. Because I'm telling you, it hit me. I was sitting on the couch watching this with my kids the first time and the second and the third time. And there's this one part of the, the movie um, where one of the princesses says, you know, just do the next right thing. I have the verses up about this song and she sings. So we're going to put that up on your screen now. But she says, just do the next right thing. Take a step and step again. It is all that I can do the next right thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take, but break it down to this next breath, this next step. This next choice is one that I can make, so I will walk through this night, stumbling towards the light, and do the next right thing. And with it done, what comes then? When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice, and do the next right thing. In the midst of this chaos that is just swarming social media, the media, the stores, right, everything that's happening as Christians, as believers, we're called to do the next right thing. Darren preached about it last week. He said, am I my brother's keeper, right? Jesus said, yes, we are. I want to prove that to you. I want to go to this verse in in Mark Chapter 3, verse 31 through 35. And Jesus, uh, Jesus is sitting, teaching with his disciples and some people. And then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. So there was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, Your mother and brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replies to them, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him. And he said, look, these are my mothers and these are my brothers. Anyone who does God's will 
is my brother and sister and mother. So I want you to think about that. Through the midst of everything going on, your story has got to be bigger than you. Your story has to be bigger than being consumed with what's going on. Your story has to be about those around you. Just like a man who was praying that the, the river of God would flow out of our houses today through this live stream. That as you're sitting at home and you're watching this, I, I encourage you, open your windows and crank up your speakers. Let the word of God flood into your neighborhood. Invite your neighbors over. Make sure they wash their hands when they come in. But invite them over and let them listen to the word of God. That's what God called us to do, right? To, we are our brother's keeper. That's part of the redemption of Jesus Christ and the cross. Jesus is saying, yes, we are our brother's keeper, but it's not just their physical family, right? It's the body of Christ. In fact, it's so important to Jesus that he matches it. He ties it to the greatest commandment. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, someone says, Teacher, what is the most important commandment? What is the most important law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. I want you to, if you have your Bible, highlight that. If you're taking notes, write that down. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. This, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Give back to those in need. See what's going on around you. Find out how you can help your neighborhood. This time is, I'm telling you, God is setting up Christians and setting up the faith right now to come through shining in a time like this. This is what we're born for. Think about it. This is what God created religion and faith to be is rise up in these times and and the Government should be turning to the churches now saying we need some help. We need some help spreading the message of joy, spreading the message of cheer, spreading the message of of hope right now in a dark time. That's our calling. That's what we get to do during these times and what gets me so excited. I want to talk to you uh, when, when we talk about our duty and when it comes to being keeping our brothers and sisters. What does that mean? Am I my brother's keeper, right? Jesus said, these are my brothers, my sisters, my mother, right? What does that mean to keep them? What he's talking about is revival and reformation through the redemption of Christ. So at Harbor Church, right, our, our motto, our slogan, what we go on, our driving force is transform people, transforming culture. So transform people is that revival. That's when God breaks out on the inside of you and transforms your heart. Right now, maybe you're sitting at home and you're listening to this and God is stirring in your heart and you're, you're feeling those flutters inside of you, right? This is God transforming you. And then transform people, transforming culture, that's reformation, right? We have an opportunity right now like never before in my 40 years on this earth to transform culture with what's going on, with the power of social media right now, with the power of, of being able to get a message across the world and the click of a button and the post, right? We could sit there and send transformation with reaching out to our neighbors and helping them and finding out uh, what their needs are and praying for them and believing for them. We have an opportunity to see revival and reformation come through the redemption of Christ. There's a really cool story in the Bible that talks about this. It's in, uh, it's in the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, I want to talk to you about a famous biblical character uh, named Orpah. Has anyone heard of Orpah before? Anyone out there? I have one person here live 
raising her hand, and someone in the TV land thought I said Oprah. No, it's not. Orpah. So I want to read this to you out of Ruth 1, 4 through 5. It said the two sons, so Naomi, the story is about Naomi, really. It says the two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, uh, Malan and Killian died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. So when you think about any time in the Bible that God gives a lineage or God talks about a family, he always does it in order of age, right? So we know by reading this that Malan was the oldest son, Killian was the second, right? God is a God of order. He does this. You read the Bible, everything through the genealogy of Christ, everything is in order. He talks from Adam all the way down, right? He goes in the order of it. So we know by reading this that Malan is the eldest son, and Killian is the second. Malan married Orpah, and Killian married Ruth. This book really should have been titled Orpah, not Ruth. Just so you know. Like the way God planned it and set it up, Orpah married the eldest. She was first in line. And then Ruth married the second. Think about it like the, the royal family in, in the UK, right? Kate married William. Megan married Harry, right? Megan's got no claim to the throne whatsoever. Kate does through William. So equated to that, this is what's going on. So Orpah was like Kate in the story. But then down in verse, so they die, the sons die, her husband is dead. And in verse 8 of Ruth chapter 1, they they decided to leave. Naomi's like, I'm going home, I'm out of here, I got no reason to be over here. Let me go back to my people. And on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. So she gives them the release. When they married, they gave a vow, right? When they were married, they gave a vow that said, we are in this forever. We're going to, you know, we're going to provide a lineage for you, Naomi, and her husband, right? We're going to do this. We're in this forever. And now that they passed away, Naomi is releasing them of this. And then jump down. And so right away, both of them are like, no, no, no. We got that. We're going to stay with you, right? We're going to, we're, we're sticking through you. We promise you or whatever. So they keep walking, and then again, they wept together in verse 14, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. I want you to pay attention to that verse. Orpah kissed her goodbye. Thank you. All right, I'm released. Peace out. I'm going back home where it's easier. I know my people. I'm out of here. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone. Back to her people and to her gods, you should do the same. Orpah took the opportunity the moment she could. She cared about her own well-being and future, but no one else's. She didn't care about the vow that she had made to Naomi. When you marry into a family, it's not just that person. You're, uh, when you marry somebody, it's not just that person. You're marrying into the whole family, and, and Orpah did not want to live up to that vow. She took the moment of release and said, thank you, okay, we'll call it good. I'm out of here, and we never hear about her again. That's it. It's over. We never hear about Orpah again in the Bible. The title of this book should be Orpah, not Ruth. But Ruth replied to her in verse 16 and said, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Naomi asked them twice. She said, Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Whenever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. I mean, come on. Talk about like commitment to the vow. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to live where you live. Your God's going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. Even when you die, they're going to put me right beside you. I'm in this to the end. 
I'm in this to the end. Ruth is clinging on to Naomi, saying, I will do this. And she said, may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So what's Naomi going to say to that? I mean, okay, cool. Come on, let's go. Come back home with me to my land. I got three points for you today. Number one, Ruth was determined to honor the vow that she made to fulfill the original intent of her marriage. What's the intent of marriage? To be fruitful and multiply, right? Just so you know, that's what God said when he created Adam and Eve. He said, now be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. So when she married Killian, her intent and her vow was to be fruitful and multiply and to provide a lineage for Naomi and her family. Her husband died, her brother-in-law died, her father-in-law died, and she said, no, I'm going to stick to this vow. I know God's got a plan. When I made that vow, when I said something, I meant it, and God's got a plan. In life, we have opportunities to help fulfill other people's vision. And by doing so, that's usually where God drops the vision for our life in our laps. When you come alongside someone and you say, listen, I'm going to join this vision, whether it's here through the house someone that you know, and you join alongside them and said, man, I really love this vision of transform people, transforming culture. I can buy into that. I tell you, years ago when my wife and I started coming to this church, our first Sunday here, we said, these are our people. We looked around, we were sitting in worship, our kids were in, and that's why we actually came to church here was because of the kids' ministry. And we came here and we looked around and we said, these are our people. This is it. We're here. We found it. We've been looking. We've been in Florida, I think, for two years or so at that point, and we found it. We said, these are our people. And when you have that and the transform people, transform the culture, I said, this is a vision that I can align with and run with. This is a vision that, that I can see. A lot of times we're so stuck in trying to figure out what's our own story. What's God got for me in 2020? When you think about the year being almost 25% over, and now it's caught up in the chaos of what's going on in the world you may lose sight of that and say, what does God even have for me? I can promise you, plug in, get into the vision, and I promise you God will drop vision in your lap. He's done it through my life and my wife's life and family time and time again. We've been married almost 18 years, and I can't tell you how many times God has sit there and dropped vision and purpose in our life because we chose to serve others and do it. It's numerous, numerous amount of times. Let's go to Ruth 2 and and verse 10. So what's happening now? So Ruth goes home. She's with Naomi. She goes home, and they're hungry, right? They're out there working. In that time, uh, you know, there was no businesses owned. Ruth and Naomi didn't have a business. They had land that was in the family land, but that land cost money, right? They had to work the land. They had to pay for it, taxes, everything on top of it. So Ruth is hungry. So she goes, and Naomi sends her out to her family, uh, Boaz, and said, listen, when they're going to collect wheat, just go walk behind them and just collect wheat behind them and just be quiet. He, he'll protect you. He's not going to do nothing crazy. I know him. He's family. Just go there and just collect your wheat and let's try to get a little bit of food, right? And then Boaz sees this. Just read the book of Ruth. I, I, I encourage you this week. And Boaz sees her doing this and said, hey, who is that? And they're like, oh, that's, that's Ruth. That's Naomi's daughter-in-law. He's like, hey, listen, no one bother her. All the guys, no one touch her. Leave her alone. Let her collect. Actually, not only that, when you're walking, leave a little extra behind and let her collect it, right? So when Ruth sees this, it brings us to verse 10 in chapter 2. Ruth fell at his feet, Boaz, and thanked him. And she said, what have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I am only a foreigner. And Boaz said, yes, I know. But I also know everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. 
Her fame was starting to spread. Her story was spreading throughout everybody. Everybody was talking about it. When she came back into town and said, who's this girl, Ruth? Oh, this is what she did. She stuck to her vow. They didn't mention Orpah. I'm sure they talked about her. I'm sure they said, where's the other daughter-in-law? She's gone, right? Here's Ruth sticking to this. Done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother in your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, rewards you fully for what you have done. I mean, that's a powerful prayer right there from Boaz. Point number two, Ruth never sought her own interests over the interests of the one she was serving. You read through Ruth, and it's amazing that there was time and time again where Ruth could have said, listen, I got you home. I, Naomi, I, I walked with you back from Moab. We're home. I'm, I'm going to go find another husband now. I'm out of here. No, she stuck to her vow again and again, week over week, month through the whole. We know that she was, and the Bible says, she was through the whole harvest season, which could be half of a year, right, depending on the harvest. She is sticking with her mother-in-law and doing this, and every day going and collecting food, and every day going and providing the food for her and her mother-in-law to fulfill the vow that she made, to be her mother-in-law's keeper. Let's go to Ruth 3, verse 1. So this is all happening, and one day Naomi says to Ruth, she goes, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Ruth didn't bring it up. Ruth didn't say, hey, Naomi, it's getting a little lonely, you know, can I, can I get out of here? No, Naomi brings it up and says, listen, it's time. You've served me enough, let's figure something out. So she tells her what to do, she tells her how to go to Boaz, where he's going to be that night, she gives him the whole plan, uh, and everything, and, and Ruth executes it flawlessly, right? In Ruth 3.11, it says that her, everyone knows that you're a virtuous woman. So Boaz is protecting her. She sleeps at his feet. She's asking for his protection. She's asking him to be the redeemer of her family. And her honor and selflessness made her renowned in a city that she wasn't from by what she did. Her ability to serve, her ability to plug into someone else's vision made her famous in that other city. So Boaz has a plan. He says, i got to figure this out because I want to redeem this family, but I'm not the ne- next in line. There's another family member that's first before me. So Boaz sat down with the elders in chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, and to the crowd standing around, he said, You are all witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of her husband, Killian, and Malan, and, the land I have, and with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malan, to be my wife. This way she could have a son to carry the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. So Boaz makes this. He figures it out from the other family member. The other family member says, I can't take on a wife. Boaz, go ahead and buy the property. So he, he was it. He redeemed it. So Boaz, in verse 13, took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. And the women of the town came to Naomi, and this, I love this, I love this verse. Underline this and highlight it. They came to Naomi and said, praise the Lord who has provided a redeemer to your family. She has a husband, she has two sons, they move out to Moab, they, they marry two daughters out there, they have this whole plan of being fruitful, multiplying, and, and what God has, and then all of a sudden her husband and her two sons die, who is going to redeem the vow? Who is going to redeem the vision? Who is going to redeem my story? All the women come to her and say, praise the Lord God who has provided a redeemer for your family. 
May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is a son, listen to this, this is huge. He is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has, better, has been better to you than seven sons. She took care of her mom so much that not even seven sons, they're out there working and owning businesses and doing everything in that time, could have taken care of her better than what Ruth did. That is amazing. She stuck to her vow. When she clung on to Naomi in that ro- on the road back from Moab, she lived up to her vow. Better than seven sons. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back today. I want to go into this. Do you know Ruth's son's name was Obed? He had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. Come on. 28 generations after David, there was someone born named Jesus. Because Ruth chose to serve her mother-in-law and to be her mother-in-law's keeper, And to help her mother-in-law fulfill her story, she is the direct lineage of our Savior, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ on the cross. Talk about revival, reformation, and redemption. Revival in Ruth's heart that says, I will live this vow, right? Reformation, sitting there saying, I'm going to go do this, marry Boaz, and I'm going to do this. And then the Redeemer, her son coming to be the Redeemer of that vow and that family. That family is more famous than any other in the Bible, Direct lineage from Ruth because of the choices that she made. I go back to the beginning. That should have been Orpah. It should have been her according to the the Bible and the, the age and what they married, right? But we hear about Ruth and what Ruth did and her vow that she made when Orpah left. I promise you, in in stressful times like this, we gotta dig into the promise we made to God to serve others, of transform people, transforming culture. The redeemer of all mankind came through Ruth's lineage because she chose to serve. She is Jesus' 31st great-grandmother, if you want to count it. 31st great-grandmother. Ruth chose to honor her vow and take the interests of another over hers. And she did not count her life so important over the lives of others. What did Jesus mean when he said, love your neighbor as yourself? When's the last time you really went hungry? When's the last time that you let yourself feel, you know, my, my kids say it, I say it all the time, oh, I'm starving, right? Like, are you? Have you been to that point of starvation? If we're hungry, we're going to eat. If you have the means in your pantry, if you have the means to go to a restaurant, you're going to find food. You go get a job, you make money so that you can put food in the pantry so you can eat, right? You're taking care and loving. That's called loving yourself. What is Jesus talking about when he says, love your neighbor as yourself? Let's bring it to right now, right now today. Do you have a thousand rolls of toilet paper in your house? Come on. And your neighbor has none? Right? Like what's going on right now that we can help love our neighbors? As our, I saw this story online of this guy that went and bought, he's got 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer that he now can't sell because Amazon, Walmart, and eBay blocked him because he was trying to sell them for $80 a bottle. Good for them. But what is his choice now to help his neighbors out? He literally said in the story that his family is now facing financial ruin because of his decisions to love himself over loving his neighbors. Point number three, and I'm wrapping it with this. 
God gave her a destiny and a story greater than she could have ever imagined because she chose to serve someone else's vision. 16 days from now, we are, the first quarter of 2020 is done. It's a wrap. We cannot go back and redo January, February, March. What is the story that you are writing this year? What is the story that God is putting on your heart for your neighbors, for your friends? Think about this. You have nine more months left in this year to put a bow on 2020. And and it feels like we just got out of 2019. But I'm telling you, God is the redeemer of time. I love it when Amanda got up here and spoke that every time that the enemy tried to come and steal from the church, that God brought it back sevenfold and doubled it and had to restore it back to its original intent. Revival, reformation, and redemption today. What's your story right now? What story are you choosing to say, to live, and to write for 2020? I want to invite Julie up today to close us out. still in the rooms that you're gathered in, in the space where we're gathered in. We're so grateful. Let me just jump into prayer real quick, and then we're going to worship and make some declarations over your lives, over the lives of your loved ones, the region around us, over the planet. Because how many of you know that the highlight when Brian was speaking, the highlight that kept coming to me was this story that God is writing. Sure, Ruth made a vow, and she was faithful to the vow, but what about me? What about you? God has a story for humanity. When we play a part, this chapter, this chapter that we are in right now at this time is part of a bigger story that God is writing. We are so encouraged in this room by all that you've been sending in via the live stream. So much connection, so much interaction. That's what this is all about. Staying connected at the heart level. Hey, one heart, right? Didn't God just ordain for us to speak that out as a message in from this very podium for weeks in a row? We are connected at the heart level, even though we are in this space with you at your home and us with us right here. The Spirit of God has a desire to finish up our time here through our this live stream connection this particular Sunday morning. The story that I felt highlighted when Brian was talking, the story of God, the story of God writing for this generation. I want to tell you that story is not that the coronavirus wins. That story is not that fear anxiety wins. That story is that you as a son or a daughter, us as a church community in the South Florida region, stand up with hearts full of faith, faith fully connected out of a place of worship. And we give away what everybody from this platform today has been conveying. We give away the fullness of what's already been given because we want to be a people in this hour that fulfill our part of the bigger story. 
And that, whether that looks like helping your neighbor, like Brian suggested, with real practicals, whether it means getting on to staying on social media and reaching out to ones around you to spread the good news of the gospel through this tool that God's given us, or whether in this moment it means you don't sign off yet, you engage and you let us go with Holy Spirit to a place of worship that releases the presence of God through the atmospheres and changes what's currently going on in the planet. So we invite you in this moment, God. We invite you to have your way in this place as we continue to worship you. Come on, stay engaged. I'll, I'll be here in just another moment as we go after we go in to give you some real practicals and to pray over you. But let's go in this place of worship one more time. In Jesus' name, let's worship it. We're going to sing this blessing out. It's simple. Just receive it over your heart. Receive it over your family. Receive it over your community right now.
declare this, just let it wash over you, let it come on you. And then as you as you start to feel that, I just want you to, to begin to sing it out with us as we declare it over this city and over our nation and over every heart and every life.
is upon your family, is upon the ones that you are in neighborhood with, in your neighborhood, in community with, in your workplace. The presence of the Lord goes with you. Wherever you go, you can't outrun the presence of God. He lives big on the inside of who you are and who I am. And in this moment, may it be chronicled in the heavens that we played our part well in the story of God during this particular season, that we brought the good news of hope, the truth of a, pre, a, a, a prince that is filled with peace, that wants to engage with humanity any place and every place, all of the time. You have the tools. I have the tools. All the Holy Spirit is asking for us is to go out and to be ourselves. Some of the prayer requests that came in were for peace, for um, financial provision in the midst of an unknown circumstance, in unknown circumstances, and for um, connection, no isolation. And so as we're getting ready to wrap up today's online experience, we just want to release a blessing again for provision for you, for, for faith for you to believe the good story that God has written for you. You play an important role. All you have to do is go out to the community around you and be yourself with all of your heart, and God will do the rest. Hey, we love you. We're so grateful that you joined us here today. We will be back next Sunday at this time. Jump on. No Friday night service again on the 20th of March. We love you guys. Thank you for being with us. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.